Good afternoon. Welcome to Optimal Care Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Monique Mondesi, physician owner of Optimal Care Pediatrics, located in St. Lucie West. And with me today is pediatric cardiologist, Dr. Jamie Alcon, and he's with Kids Medical. Uh, They recently opened up uh, an office in Port St. Lucie. And today we're going to be talking about uh, pediatric heart defects, cholesterol, and high blood pressure, and answering uh, some of your cardiac questions. So first question, how common is it for a baby to be born with a heart condition? That's actually a very good question, and that's a common question. Congenital heart disease is one of the most common, actually the most common um, lesions that can potentially happen in a human being. If you compare all the organs in the body, the one that can potentially get malformed more frequently is the heart. It's about one out of a hundred pregnancies, and that works out to about 40,000 cases of some form of congenital heart disease in the United States annually. Okay, excellent. And can a heart problem be detected before a baby is born? Yes, certainly. Um, then um, when, of course, you are going to pregnancy, you're going to see the obstetrician. The obstetrician is going to be looking at the baby's heart. If they have some kind of suspicion that there is something wrong with the baby's heart using the ultrasound, they can potentially send the patient to a heart doctor like myself um, to uh, do a specialized test, which is pretty much the same ultrasound they do, except that we use our expertise to look at the baby's heart inside of the womb. Uh, There are certain potential problems that um, illnesses that mothers may carry or certain conditions that they may be at, you know, prior to pregnancy or even during pregnancy, early in pregnancy, that can predispose babies to develop some heart problems. Um, One of the most common ones is uh, diabetes. Um, if mom has diabetes, meaning that there is very high sugar levels on the blood prior to getting pregnant, and those levels are very high and not controlled, there is a you know more than two, sometimes even five times risk of developing some form of congenital heart disease, meaning the babies might be born with some kind of problem in the heart. So what about moms who develop uh, gestational diabetes or they develop diabetes during the pregnancy? Are those babies still at risk for heart problems? Much, much less. Um, really, it seems to be that the main concern is to have high blood sugars prior to conception. There is something about the sugar levels prior to conception because it's been shown also that if you are diabetic prior to conception and you get to control your sugar levels very well, then you have the same risk as anybody else in the population. If you develop diabetes during pregnancy, even though you don't necessarily have a a very high risk of developing congenital heart disease, if the sugar levels are not controlled, you can potentially develop uh, the heart, uh, the walls become thick, pretty thick. Uh, And there is a direct correlation of how high the sugar is in mom with how thick the walls can become. Uh, most of the times after the babies are born, those mm-hmm. kind of like walls of the heart go back to normal. Oh, good. Okay. But there are certain small percentage of kids that can develop some kind of uh, abnormality in the muscle of the heart. Okay. So if a baby is born with a heart defect, mm-hmm. what sort of resources and supports can you recommend? So I think one of the first things to do um, once they... Um, you know, pediatrician has identified that there is a problem, some kind of problem with the heart, uh, is refer the patient to a pediatric cardiologist. Uh, 
we have, um, you know, the knowledge, the expertise uh, to be able to explain exactly what is going on with the baby's heart and uh, at the same time provide the correct diagnosis to the family. In that way, we can guide them to, um, you know, go and read up uh, the appropriate uh, literature or the appropriate, you know, uh, diagnosis. And it's certainly confusing when you go and you look it up on your own because a lot of things uh, online uh, can not be necessarily what you're dealing with. Right. I always say, look at the resource, who exactly. wrote it. And I say, sometimes Google will put the worst thing, the most terrifying things. So you have to be a little bit cautious when you're, you're Googling. Look at the source. All right. So your pediatric cardiologist, your pediatrician are good sources for information. I agree. Yeah. And moving on to older children, can children get hypertension or high blood pressure? Yes, and I I would have to say that is a problem that we're seeing more and more. Um, definitely over the past, you know, 10 to 20 years has become a much more prevalent problem. Um, there are certain conditions that you can be, um, that you have, that you, that, that you may have gone through life that may put you at a higher risk of developing high blood pressure. For instance, um, if you are taking certain medications, uh, common medications that are used uh, for asthma, like uh, steroids, those medications can increase the blood pressure. So um, if a patient comes in to see the pediatrician and we notice that the blood pressure is elevated, one of the first things we want to know is, is this patient somehow taking any kind of medication that can potentially raise the blood pressure. The reason being, we can start the medication and everything goes back to normal. Good. And the same way that that's one of the risk factors, there is there are a few others, like for instance, if you were a child born prematurely, or if you were a child that developed some frequent infections, urinary infections, your kidneys can sometimes be affected and that can increase the blood, increase the blood pressure. So there is, a, there is a list of conditions that can potentially uh, predispose you to high blood pressure. Having said that, there is a completely different group where we do not know exactly what can potentially be raising the blood pressure, and those are the ones that I was referring are happening more frequently. Um, we we know that there is an association between uh, being uh, overweight uh, or, or or being actually have too much weight and high blood pressure uh, being elevated. Um, and the, the, there are several studies that have shown that if you actually can lose weight, your blood pressure may go down, which is a great thing. Uh, remember, the blood pressure is something that we check in terms of um, um, when the heart is sending blood to the body, how much work the heart needs to do. And then when the, work, when the heart is relaxing, how much work is the heart doing. So we all have blood pressures. It's just something that is natural. It's generated by the heart, sending the blood out to the body. But there are normal levels. So when you go above the normal level, that's when you are said to have high blood pressure. Okay. So then what are the long-term consequences of having high blood pressures in childhood? Well, one of the, one of the concerns that we have is that if you present with high blood pressures as a child, you have a much higher risk of developing high blood pressure as an adult. Okay. And high blood pressure in adults has been associated with an increased risk of developing heart problems uh, as an adult. And um, we, 
you know, when we look at the dolls, we try to make all those uh, potential risk factors to develop heart problems go away. One of them commonly being high blood pressure. In the short term, one of the things that can happen is that if your heart is sending blood out and the pressure is high, that means the heart is working extra hard. And by working extra hard, uh, it's kind of like going to the gym. You go to the gym, you start, you know, pushing some weights, and then your muscles become, you know, uh, stronger and thicker. The same thing happens with the heart. If the heart is actually working, you know, with a person that has elevated blood pressure or high blood pressure, the walls of the heart become pretty thick. And it's known that once the heart walls become pretty thick, that can actually increase the risk of developing more heart problems. Okay. So what can families do to modify or reduce the risk of uh, high blood pressure? Yeah, that's a great question. So if we know, for instance, what is causing the, the blood pressure, we should attack that particular cause so the blood pressure goes back to normal. If we do not know uh, what is the reason for the high blood pressure, there are still things that can be done. For instance, if we know that somebody has high weight, drop the weight, uh, you know, using exercise and an appropriate diet. Uh, one of the most important factors really is to, you know, keep an appropriate diet that allow us to, you know, um, drop uh, weight. What I mean by that is not a specific, you know, fat diet or any new diet, but a balanced amount of food uh, that we eat to try to, uh, you know, be as close as possible to our ideal weight. And how does salt play into this? Yeah, thanks for that question. So salt is one of the, uh, you know, things that we know can potentially raise the blood pressure. The, the, the reason why that happens is because salt kind of like retains water inside of the blood vessels. So one easy measure is to control how much salt you're eating. So along with losing weight, if you can decrease the amount of salt that you are taking in, in, in a given 24 hours, that also has been shown to decrease amount or uh, decrease the blood pressure. The American Heart Association recommends not to go over 2,300 milligrams of salt a day um, in your diet if your blood pressure has been found to be elevated. So foods can have salt even though yes. you're not like adding salt with the shaker, correct? Correct. correct. Okay. So those are like your canned goods and salt's also known as sodium, right? So when you're reading labels and you see sodium, that's the, the same as salt, the salt content in the food. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, patients that have been told that have blood pressure that is high, one of the things that they're going to probably have to do is start watching those labels and see how much salt is in the product that they will consume and potentially even decrease the use of the salt uh, shaker during their meals. What about high cholesterol? Can that run in families? Yes. I mean, um, you know, cholesterol is, is, is a term that we hear a lot. You know, cholesterol is a product that is, you know, produced by our own body. So we all have cholesterol. And you can also eat cholesterol. I mean, there's a lot of products that we eat that have cholesterol, like, for instance, you know, meats and eggs uh, and a variety of other, you know, uh, animal products. And it's not necessarily bad. It's actually a great, uh, you know, uh, fat to have. The problem is that um, cholesterol, when the uh, amount of cholesterol in our blood is too high, that also can be associated with the early development of heart problems. 
uh, more specifically problems with what is called the coronary arteries. As you know, we know the coronary arteries are vessels that we all have that give the blood to the heart muscle. And, you know, if your cholesterol levels are very high, um, those blood vessels can start getting, um, you know, some deposit of fat inside of them. And in the long term, when you become an adult, can potentially block. And that can potentially lead to severe heart problems. Okay, excellent. So thank you for that explanation. Yeah. Uh, so there are good cholesterols, right? Yes, not absolutely. Not cholesterols are bad. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at, at total cholesterol, the cholesterol really is divided in different uh, particles, and they have to do, to do with the size of them. One of the most concerning ones is the one that we, the one that we call LDL cholesterol. LDL cholesterol is a particular type of cholesterol that can deposit inside of the coronary arteries, and um, those are the ones that can contribute to obstruction. Okay. That is probably the one that we call bad cholesterol. Um, the other one is the, the one that is called HDL cholesterol, or high-density lipoprotein. HDL stands for high-density lipoprotein cholesterol. That's actually the good cholesterol. And good cholesterol, because we know that if those are actually, that particular subtype is in high levels, it can sometimes protect you from developing heart problems. There's been a lot written about, for instance, whether alcohol can help you, help you increase your levels of HDL. And, you know, some studies suggest that if you have maybe one or two cups of wine, glasses of wine, uh, you know, on a regular basis, that can help you increase the good cholesterol. Of course, that is not a recommendation for our kids to go and drink alcohol, <laughs> Let's but, you know, for adults, uh, <laughs> it might be helpful. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure. And what age should we start looking at blood pressure and cholesterol tests? When should we start testing? Yes, that is actually a great question. So as far as blood pressure, um, the recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics and American Heart Association is to check the blood pressure at the age of three. Um, I think that, you know, it, most of us who have tried checking the blood pressure you know, in small kids, we realize how difficult it is. Uh, you know, babies are, you know, moving, and, and sometimes you get a number and you don't even know whether that's accurate or not. So usually three years of age is a pretty good time to start checking blood pressures on a routine basis. Having said that, when a baby is born, if there is anything specifically on the baby that, you know, makes us suspicious, you know, that it might be high blood pressure. So, for instance, you know, the baby is being examined by the pediatrician, and the pediatrician cannot feel the pulses in the legs. Uh, usually what happens is they call the cardiologist, we come, and we acknowledge that indeed we cannot feel them either, and we end up doing some testing, you know, and we realize that there is some obstruction of the blood leaving the heart. If that happens to a newborn, that needs to be corrected and oftentimes needs, you know, surgery. Make sure, you know, having said that, oftentimes that is, that is a very small percentage of the, of the population. Uh, a general screening should be done around three years of age. And if the blood pressure is, you know, found to be elevated, that needs to be followed for, for the reasons that we have um, discussed before. With cholesterol, um, the recommendation really is to see whether there is a family history of high cholesterol. So if you encounter a family that, you know, is known to have very high cholesterol, we need to make sure that those young babies as, as young as probably two years of age don't carry the condition that can actually give them very high cholesterol. 
But in general, if none of those factors are present, the recommendation for a universal screening should be before puberty. So somewhere between 9 and 11 years of age will be a good idea to actually obtain a lipid panel um, or, or fat, pan, fat panel that would give us the, the levels in the blood uh, of uh, the different kinds of cholesterol. Uh, if for whatever reason they are found to, to be elevated or completely out of the normal range, six weeks later they need to be repeated and then uh, we need to decide based on those numbers what is the next uh, course of action. So when would medications be started for cholesterol or high blood pressure? Well, in general, um, if you look at the recommendations in 2017, the American Heart Association put out recommendations for uh, the management of high blood pressure. So um, there are certain levels of, of blood pressure. To answer your question, if you present with, you know, elevated, what it used, it used to be called before elevated blood pressure, now it's called stage one hypertension. So if you present with stage one hypertension, uh, most of the times the recommendation is to try to give four to six months of what we call lifestyle modification, which is what we have discussed before, losing weight, uh, decreasing the amount of salt, you know, exercising, and oftentimes that can actually drop the blood pressure and we can avoid medications. If six months go by and the blood pressure continues to be high, then one of the things that often cardiologists do is they look at the heart. We look at the walls of the heart using ultrasound, and if the walls of the heart are thick, then that patient needs to be potentially started also on medications to lower the blood pressure because now this high blood pressure is producing effects on the heart. If the patient presents right away with very high levels of blood pressure, or what we call stage two hypertension, those patients are oftentimes started on medication for high blood pressure uh, as soon as they are identified okay. along with diet. So it's a little bit of a long answer, but you know, it a lot depends on whether you have very high numbers and whether your heart is already being compromised or not. Well, it's a complicated, yeah. complicated question, complicated answer. For, for cholesterol, um, you know, oftentimes it's a similar thing. I mean, no, um, when somebody has a family history and is identified to have extremely high levels, we usually will start them on the medication because we know that very high levels are associated with accelerated heart problems. Most of the times, diet will be the first stage before we do anything else. Okay. Thank you. And we're going to move on to teenagers playing sports. Now, this is comes up a lot. I'm yeah, sure you get this one a course. lot, too. Do teens have to be screened before playing sports, like with a screening EKG? And what are these screens looking for? Excellent. So I think that every child should be screened. And I think that the initial screen should be a physical examination and a, and, and a history like we do in medicine. So you want to make sure that the, the, the patient is not having any symptoms with exercise, as, as we all know. And some of the symptoms that are concerning will be, for instance, developing chest pain with exercise. If you are, you know, exercising, doing some aerobic exercise and you develop chest pain, that needs to be checked because there are certain conditions that you may carry with you that will have never discovered before that can actually predispose you to develop these kind of problems. A child that is passing out while exercising will be another consideration. Uh, those are you know, patients that should not be ignored. A family uh, that presents for you know, uh, clearance, for a sport physical clearance, 
and tells us that, uh, you know, there was uh, several family members, male members that were actually dying, you know, early in life. So that means prior to 55 years of age or developing some, uh, you know, coronary artery problems, some, you know, heart attacks or something like that early in life. Those immediately put us at a much higher category. So those are the kind of patients that we're going to be focusing our attention to and doing, as you suggested, an electrocardiogram, perhaps an echocardiogram, and, and even more, maybe like a stress exercise or something like that. One of the most common causes of sudden death in, in a child is a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, where the heart is uh, abnormally thick. The walls of the heart are pretty thick in a way that basically there is obstruction to the blood leaving the heart and the baby and the patient can potentially develop some rhythm abnormalities where the heart just goes into an abnormal rhythm that makes the heart not beat effectively and you can pass out and if it's not resolved you can potentially die uh, those are some of the patients that we see dying for instance playing soccer or playing you know football or basketball and it's a situation that could potentially be revived if you are prepared for it or it can be better you know um be prevented. So when we do an electrocardiogram, we're looking for evidence of high voltages with, you know, correlate with thick walls. So if a patient comes in with a history like that, we do an electrocardiogram, which is sort of like a measurement of the electricity in the heart. And if we see very high voltages, then that's a red flag. That means that there might be some problems there. Uh, other conditions that we look with the electrocardiogram are, you know, genet genet genetic conditions that predispose you to having rhythm problems with the heart, meaning the heart can start speeding up on its own very fast, completely abnormally when you're just watching TV. Uh, and those conditions can be uh, lethal. So that's those are some of the conditions that we normally screen for. Of course, we screen for some of problems with the heart itself. There can be some uh, difficulty for the blood leaving the heart because the heart is not normal. Uh, so it's, it's a long list of things that we look through look for. Uh, but certainly uh, screening should start with a good history and a good physical examination. Excellent. Thank you. And why are kids with congenital heart disease at a higher risk for getting dental caries or cavities? That I am not really sure. Is that, is that um, the correlation that I have encountered is a little bit different, is that if you do have some kind of congenital heart disease, if you end up having some dental problems, mm -hmm. then there is a higher chance um, that you might develop some, you know, bacteria going into your bloodstream, and that can seed the heart, and you can develop an infection of the heart. Exactly. So um, that is actually a, a very prevalent problem, believe it or not. So what we're talking about here is a child that was born with a completely, completely normal heart, has gone through, you know, his or her life completely uh, fine without any problems and finds his or, her, or, or herself with a infection in the heart that can potentially destroy some of the parts of the heart, the valves of the heart. We see that. Uh, we, we've had patients from Port St. Lucie presenting with these kind of illnesses. And oftentimes um, the problems can be if you actually have decay in your, in your uh, teeth uh, that are not taken care of, some bacteria that normally live in our mouth, in our teeth, can go through the blood and not, it's not every bacteria. There are some subtypes of bacteria 
and they can actually get attached to the heart and produce significant damage. Um, so, I mean, that's... Is that why some kids have to take antibiotics if they have a heart problem? They take yes. antibiotics before a dental procedure? Absolutely. It, it, it's been shown that if you actually are going to go and have a very uh, deep cleaning or, or the dentist is going to be doing something that requires, you know, a lot of procedure that is potentially going to increase the risk of bacteria going into the bloodstream. If half an hour or one hour prior to the procedure you take antibiotics, you can potentially, you know, kill the bacteria once it goes into the bloodstream. So there are certain patients which have, which have actually pretty significant heart disease that every time um, prior to dental procedure should receive antibiotics to prevent these kind of infections. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay. And what is a heart murmur? And you can you talk about innocent murmur? Absolutely. So that's actually one of the most common things that both you and I see on a regular basis. Um, you know, um, it's a pretty common question, and let me let me explain a little bit. When we listen to the heart using our stethoscope, um, you know we're all gonna hear that the heart produces two different noises. We call it the first and the second heart sounds. Those are completely normal. We all have we all have those from the moment that you're born to the moment that you die. And those correspond to the heart opening and closing different valves or different gates for the blood to come in and out. So between the first and the second heart sound, normally there is a silence. But if you hear an extra noise between the first and the second heart sound, that is what we refer to as a heart murmur. Some heart murmurs are what we call innocent, and the, 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 the term innocent really means that there is nothing wrong with the heart, and yet you can hear an extra noise. In some other conditions, you hear the extra noise because there is something wrong with the heart, like a hole inside of the, you know, the heart, some of the, some of the walls have a hole or more than one hole, or some of the valves are not letting the blood in or out of the heart, and that can also produce a noise. So those are not innocent, those are abnormal um, studies. Can Finals. a child outgrow a murmur, outgrow an innocent murmur? Some of them, for sure. So for instance, one of the most common congenital heart disease is what we call a ventricular septal defect, or a hole between the lower chambers of the heart. So when, when the hole is open, the pediatrician or the cardiologist will listen to the heart and they will hear a noise, they will hear the heart murmur, but as you grow a little bit older, some of those holes can seal on their own. Once they're gone, the heart murmur is also gone. So that will be a situation where you can outgrow, uh, let's say, um, a heart murmur. They are all, they are, it depends where, what part of the heart is located. So when we do an ultrasound of the heart, we can pinpoint exactly where the hole is located. And some of those holes we know for sure won't close. So some of them, especially if they're big, need to be referred for heart surgery so they can be closed. Thank you. So that are all the questions that I have for today. I encourage you to um, write in if you have any more questions that you would like to have answered, and I will be posting um, contact information for Dr. Alicon on uh, the Optimal Care Facebook page. And of course, you can always reach me at 772-301-0123. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Take care.